BetMGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at BetMGM. Simply download the BetMGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. The legends are true. But overwhelming power. The sauce of destiny. Yes! The most legendary sauce has arrived as McDonald's transforms into the anime world of Donald's. The greatest flavors unite in all new savory chili McDonald's sauce to make your 10-piece nuggets, fries, and Sprite ultra-powerful. Unlock manga comics with every meal and sit down for a new anime short every week only at McDonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba, go! And participate in McDonald's for a limited time while supplies last. This is a podcast from Minute Media. Hey, what's up, Panther fans? Welcome to another podcast episode with the four-man rush. Tonight, you got myself. We got uh, Country Kev as well. Uh, Smooth and JD, they may join us later, but we also got a special guest, uh, James the Brit Buck. If you've listened to our podcast the last couple of years, you know he's typically a regular on our show, break down the Bucks game. So he'll be on at about 9 o'clock. So before we welcome him on, we're going to first talk about this uh, disaster in Buffalo yesterday. Uh, what's up, Stephen? How you doing tonight? Thank you for joining us. So, uh, Kev, I, I have my thoughts. I'm going to let you talk first, man, because I'm just – my energy with this team isn't where it needs to be anymore. What's your overall thoughts on the Bills game uh, yesterday? <laughs> you on mute, Kev? Yeah, it's my bad. Uh, as far as my overall thoughts, I, I really felt like the team um, – had the mind frame to come out and compete. Um, it was good to see a three and out by the defense. Uh, you, know, you know what? No, we had the ball first, I believe. But, uh, yeah, and, and it's always good to get that, you know, early score, you know, going on typically with our team. Um, but it just um, – I don't know, man. I, I'm just to the point where I just feel like the team is just ready for the season to be over. Obviously, they can't make it so obvious, but uh, it just really feel like the players mentally they're they're there, but they're not just got that chimed in focus. I mean, yeah, you still got some out there, you know, playing hard, but just like that, like the team, just like you said, your energy. I feel like the team's energy is is really not where it needs to be right there. Even though we're not mathematically eliminated from the playoffs, but far as anything being in control of our own destiny in any way, shape, or form, um, we've pretty much given that up. Uh, best case scenario, we somehow win the last three and have a 5-1 and one divisional record, but we still wouldn't even have the best record in the division. <laughs> so uh, that just shows how crazy uh, that could turn out to be because our only one loss right now in the division is to, uh, uh, was the home game to Atlanta. 
So with these last three divisional games, Tampa and Charlotte, uh, this Sunday after Christmas at New Orleans, at Tampa, um, January 9th to finish out the season. Um, I just think this team is just ready to be done, man. I just think Rule has – just just from a fan observation, it just seems like that the team is just uh, – Rule is not giving them that 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 follow-me mantra that, that we're accustomed to seeing this team have. It just seems like that they're uh, going through the motions. Uh, I, guys like Cam, you know, I feel like out there playing their ass off. Uh, playing hard, want to win, trying to win. Um, so I don't want to make it seem like that we that our team has just quit, but I just feel like that they just don't have that normal late season energy that we're you know we've been accustomed to as Panther fans. So as of right now, what rule is what ten wins, twenty losses in its first two years. So um, I, I just think that it's just really hard for the players to really. Uh, feel confident about whatever Ruben said, especially when it seems like he's throwing them under the bus, <laughs> you know, um, talking with a double-sided lip, as they say. I um, I, I hate it for the players that's really putting their all into it, getting their bodies ready, you know, going through treatment, you know, daily to get right and then to just have it all, um, you know, just go up in flames. Um, this team was actually in this game, believe it or not, um, until like early fourth quarter, Will went in a chance to make it a one score, one score game, if I'm not mistaken. So yeah, they cut it close. So yeah, you know, we had our typical empty third quarter. Um, you know, I, I would love to know where we stand at as far as points scored in the third quarter. Like, honestly, man, I don't even think we've scored 21 points all season in the in the um in the third quarter. I may have to look that up, but uh yeah, man, this team just uh this team just doesn't have that spark, that feel. I just think they're ready to just put on good enough show to show that they're out there playing and to um, to end the season. Some players fighting for a chance to if they're not uh, looking to get resigned with us to play somewhere else. But uh, yeah, I just think the the players' energy suggests that they just ready for this season to be over. Yeah, I think we're we're getting beat now. When you kind of look at it, is I call the middle eight. It's the four minutes right before halftime and the four minutes after halftime. So teams like to defer to the second half so they can have the ball at the halftime and they can try to win that middle eight. When you look at what happened here, you see we cut the lead to 14 to eight with a minute 48 left in, before the half. So Buffalo, you know, goes two minute drill. They drive down, kick a field goal. So they get three points out of that. They get the ball, you know, right coming out the half. And now they get a touchdown. You know, so in that middle eight, they're able to go up two scores on us, you know, get from 14 to eight game becomes a 24 to eight game. So uh, that's where you kind of see the team uh, fall behind there. So that execution during those first last four minutes of the first half and first four minutes of the second half, it seemed to be crucial and critical every week. And we just can never seem to get our hands around that. But other than that, I mean, I thought the defense played pretty well. I mean, Josh Allen's is what he is, but they were able to get a lot of pressure on him. I just think, you know, when you just have no offensive production, I mean, what more can, what more can they do now offensively? You know, I know we talk about it every week. We sound like a broken referee. What's your initial thoughts on watching this 
offensive line. I mean, you watch Cam Irvin. Is this probably the worst game you've seen from him so far? <laughs> You are mute again. <laughs> Sorry about that. But yeah, I, when it comes to this offensive line, I mean, you, you brought up Cam Irvin. I hate to confess that I have a preconceived notion that he's going to play below the minimum expectations that I have uh, for him. Uh, all you see is a big guy running around fast. Um, I think he was, I think he posted a clip earlier where on that uh, scramble by Cam where he just he, – he didn't block anybody. He just out there running in front of Cam and made a half-hearted attempt to uh, block somebody. But, um, you know, the fact that he's out there instead of Brady Christian at left tackle, uh, the fact that John Miller is out there instead of either Trent Scott or Deontay Brown at right guard, that just let me know that, that Rule feels confident about doing it his way, uh, you, for whatever reason, he's just determined that to prove that he can somehow get it done with these guys, even though he's not getting the results. To it's almost as if to make a change again to an offensive line unit. That honestly, when Trent Scott played at, at right guard, you know, along with Michael Jordan, was playing pretty damn good. Uh, Brady Christian had his his best game against Washington. I think he graded out like a 91. So um, how, how you can take a guy that graded out at 91 and put in a guy that's consistently graded in the 50s and 60s all year, I, I just feel like that by Rude signing him an F-line day one of free agency, that he feel like he's got uh, to play these guys no matter what to justify the signing. But it's just pretty much, man, I, I would give out anything to find out what Tepper is thinking right now. I, I'm, I'm literally like when I go down to Tampa for the last game, week 18 at Tampa, I'm literally going to be just waiting to hear the post season evaluation concept. Cause I, I would just love to know what's on the thoughts of mind of Dave Tepper and anything we know about him. He's going to speak his mind. So I'm definitely looking forward to it, but just in general though, um, this offensive line, man, it's, it's, it's a fucking joke, Will. It's the, the fact that the players that are out there that have consistently proved that they're ineffective, unable to be consistent, unable to maintain run blocks well, unable to pass block well, uh, is it's just it's just utterly just utterly disappointing. And to see that a coach is just content with it, um, I don't know if he feels like that if He's he's secure with his job, so he can do whatever he wants. But um, as a fan, it just really makes me feel like that his coaches, uh, he he just really um, is all about trying to prove that his way works when it clearly it don't. Yeah, man, I'm at a loss for words. You know, this team this year, man, it's one thing I wanted this year. I was like, I just wanted to play. I wasn't looking for a playoff berth, division titles or nothing. You know, I was giving Rule the benefit of the doubt. I would say all I want this year is to play meaningful football in December. I don't want to be in December, three, four, five games left in the season and doing mock drafts and worrying about next year. But already, you know, December, three, four games left, pretty much out of the playoff picture. We couldn't even get that accomplished. So 
I mean, I don't know what's on Tepper's mind. He's been pretty quiet this year. Normally he gives at least one interview during the season, but, you know, we'll have to see what happens. I know he signed Rule to a seven-year deal, so is he going to continue to try to go with the rebuilding plan or is it time to blow it up and try to start all over again? So to some of these uh, fan comments, appreciate y'all for joining us tonight. Get a quick uh, roll call. We got Steven here. We got Carl. What's up? How y'all doing tonight? JT, you're here every week as well. You know, good to see you, man. Happy holidays. Merry Christmas to you too, Bill. Good to have you on here with us tonight. Uh, what's up, Jay? Uh, thank you for joining us like you always do every week as well. Uh, Luke Cage, that's how you doing tonight. Glad to have you on as well. Says what it do. Insanity. Is a coaching philosophy. Yep, trying the same things over and over and expecting a different result. You know, that's what I like. You know, I like watching film, breaking down all 22 of this team. But you look at it this year, it's the same mistakes, you know, same plays, same things every week. It's just not a lot, you know, that stands out about the team this year. See so what JT says. And the first time, I feel like they're actually trying to tank, and that ain't good. I really hope that's not rules. Forte. I mean, it does seem that way. I mean, just look at the energy on the field. It just doesn't seem like it was there the same way it was when they started 3-0. and um, Especially, I mean, with Cam, you always – you know, he hasn't really been in this position playing irrelevant football. I mean, probably since – I mean, even 2018, we were still somewhat, you know, competing for a playoff spot. But, what, 2016 probably? So, you know. It's a sight to see. I know um, Scott Fowler mentioned today. I mean, is this upcoming game in Tampa going to be the last time we ever see Cam in a Panthers uniform? And I think that's something we got to consider as well. I know Matt Rule mentioned uh, Sam Darnold. You know, I know none of us want to hear. Thought we would have to hear that name again this year, but I think he has a medical uh, evaluation today, and he could possibly be back uh, this Sunday. So Matt Rule hasn't even named the starting quarterback for this weekend. So that's something to look forward to as well. But we. What we're able to do there. O-line is horrible. Can't even judge the QB position because of the problems that offensive line, you know, yeah. But, you know, unfortunately with this league, not everything's fair. You know, guys are going to get evaluated based on product they put on the field. So we'll see how that plays out with the quarterback position is off season. Well, what's up, AJ? Glad to have you with us tonight. If other players on teams don't respect our coaches, that means we're not going to get any good free agents. Hell, we might not have who we think we will next year if Rule is still the head coach. Now, what he's referring to, Kev, were you able to see that Trey Boston tweet? <laughs> Which one, man? Trey Boston been getting it popping, man. I, 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 I fucks with Trey, man. I mean, you know, outside of his tackling, man, Trey Boston, all right with me. You know, former Tar Heel. You know, he does have some ball hawk ability. You know, he. You know, he flies hard. You know, I think he's trying to talk shit on his way back to another contract. I don't know, man. But, yeah, I definitely saw that uh, uh, by Trey Boston. Are you talking about the one where he said uh, anonymously someone from the Buffalo Bills? Uh, you talking about that one? The one guy from the Buffalo Bills trying to start the sin rule back to school? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, man. I mean, you know, with so many former Panther players on the team, it's just like, you know, saying that other, you know, other teams want to see the Panthers be great. And they're seeing that with rule, like it ain't getting done. It's almost like they know that we're capable of being better than what we show. But obviously, you know, the coaching and the leadership by rule is just, uh, it's, it's just like what it lets me, it makes me feel like that 
us as fans are not crazy from our feelings and our observations about uh, about Matt Rule. If other players and other teams who obviously are, are way busier, focused on other things, have taken the time to notice it, then that just reassures me as a fan that I'm not tripping when when uh, when when we actually break down the um, you know the coaching and the the methods of the madness of uh, Matt Rule and and Will. You know I was. Once he got hired, you know, I was, hey, let's let's get this guy. Let's get him three years, year three, just that. Uh, I've I've completely turned in my card. I've, you know, after the slackling in Miami and after that piss poor performance, after the bye week against Atlanta, um, Rue has forever lost me. And his comments and pressers since then have just got me just um, hitting more nails in his coffin for me. Yeah, I'm I'm done with Rule. I'm so done with him. Yeah, about the AJ's comment. This is the Trey Boston tweet we're talking about. He said, "Well, I can't take credit for it, but a Bills player told me it's Operation Hashtag Send Rule Back to School Season." All I could do was laugh. Even other teams want him out. Now, keep in mind, Trey Boston. He played for Matt Rule last year, and he still knows a lot of players in that locker room. I'm sure he probably texts with a lot of them, talks to a lot of them regularly. So. You know, I don't think that's just Trey Boston talking. I think he kind of the mouthpiece for a lot more uh, players that might be in the locker room as well. So that'll be interesting to see how that plays out. Uh, I'm seeing fans comment saying stuff about tanking. That's the cool part about this team. We don't have to tank to 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 lose a game. Like I I I, I realistically feel like that this team comes out with a plan and a focus and you know, seems to do well the first, you know, part of the game. You know, I think I saw a stat where we're leading the NFL in first quarter uh, scoring and stuff like that. But uh, once teams make adjustments to what we do, man, it's just uh, it's just completely um, downhill from there. It's like we can never recover. Shout out to Luke Cage, man. Appreciate you with that super chat coming through for us uh, every week. Definitely appreciate your support. Says Kev hit on my thoughts. Rule has the I'm approved the league wrong attitude. He doesn't appear to believe in his own brand. <laughs> see, we know ex experienced NFL coaches, no more college coaches. And a lot of the things you see Rule do is what you see. And I mean, Trey Boston also said this. I mean, if y'all don't follow Trey Boston on Twitter, make sure y'all do that. He's been dropping some gems. But one thing he said is we had our starting middle linebacker running down on punt team, playing special teams. We said, man, he got to get rid of that college stuff out of there. So, I mean, Trey's on Twitter, you know, day after day talking about, you know, things that Matt Rule's doing that's more college-type stuff instead of what you see in the NFL. So, you know, we aren't the only ones that feel that way, apparently. <laughs> Lack of discipline and stupid penalties. Kev, are we really, like, top five in penalties this year? No, we were one at one point, but I think we had one less game than everybody else. Yeah, man, we number one, bro. We we got that on lock, bro. <laughs> like, See, I have a know. question for the group. Fast forward to the – this is Bill's question. Says I have a question. Fast forward to the 2022 season, Moten excluded. Which offensive lineman will be starting for an NFL club? Oof. I think any of the four linemen on our team will be starting on the Panthers or any other team next year? Um, the current starter ones, nah, nah. Michael nah, Jordan. Nah. Uh, yeah. he 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 will be the longest shot. I mean, I would say you know my traditional.
hey, you know, we got him off the couch middle of the season. Let's let him get a full off season. Let him, you know, strength and conditioning and, you know, all that stuff and come back. Uh, he would be the only one that I would give a, um, a possibility to because, you know, he does play with that nastiness and that aggression that's needed at that position. But uh, as far as the rest of them, Cam Irvin, hell no. Pat Eflant, hell no. John Miller, hell to the fuck no. Um <laughs> You know, they not nah, nah. I mean, and you know, we I don't know if a lot of fans give Moten a pass because he got the big contract, but it's times Moten been looking like ass out there too. You know, more more than he should for someone that got the got the salary that he got, you know, is I, I don't know if he got complacent or whatever. Um he just it's it's like when we need these yards to go, like, you know, if, if we need like that play where Cam Threw the ball on that fourth down, and he threw the pass that was um knocked down and completed. Why why we can't go behind our franchise right tackle to get that one yard? You know what I'm saying? Like it it just don't make no sense for me as far as you know when it comes to Taylor Moten. It's just like he's the best or the worst of the lot. Now I'm not saying that he's trash, but he does have more trashy moments than I care for him to. Um, but you know, I, I I don't know. Maybe this rule thing has spread it over to him too, because prior prior to you know, Moten was playing at a pretty consistent high level. Uh, you know, more than what we're seeing. All right, that's uh, nine o'clock though. So James, the uh, Brit Buck should be joining us uh, shortly. Say we're gonna be on at nine, Kev. Y'all mute again, son. <laughs> yeah, I'm tripping with this mute tonight. But um, <laughs> but yeah, I told him at nine o'clock. Um, I saw that he seen the link on this page, so he should be clicking right. on to uh, be joining us here probably in the couple next couple of next few minutes. All right, we'll just keep talking about the Bills game until James joins us and we can talk uh Bucks. Let's see, Bill again says, tell me how many other NFL teams have you seen that have repeated the 12 men on the field in consecutive weeks? And what he's talking about there is, didn't we get like a third down or key third down scenario where our defensive tackle wasn't able to get off the field? They caught him on the field with 12 men at some point in the game yesterday. So, again, you're just talking about, you know, undisciplined penalties that continue to bite this team week after week. You know, if, no, we said it a hundred times already, but them DBO signs clearly haven't been working this year. <laughs> no, not in the least bit. Okay, he just messaged me. He said he's trying to log in. All right. See, give us Eric B. Enemy. Well, yeah, Eric B. Enemy, long overdue for a head coaching job. Maybe this is lucky year this year. So we'll see how that plays out. It's not Moten. If you have trash like that, it shows even when he has better players. One lineman can't block four or five rushes. He still has only allowed one sack all year long. You gotta address that one, Kev. I know you've been following Moten a little bit closer than I have this year. Um, don't get me wrong. Like I say, Moten is not ass, but to be but to be considered a franchise tackle, he definitely hasn't played at a franchise. Uh, tackle level, um, the comment, he can't block four or five guys at once. I'm talking about, you know, and, and we'll be more than happy to post clips on, on our Twitter page where 
Moten one-on-one be getting his ass busted um, multiple times in a game. Um, you know, this is not a prove us right, prove you wrong type of thing, you know, so I hope you don't take it that way. But when I make that comment, it's based on what we are seeing week after week whenever we're going over the games. Um, like I say, he has his moments where he plays well, but like I said, he just has too many moments where where he's a non-factor. You know, how many times have we ran off the right side to get that crucial one or two yards that we need? You know, why are we throwing on fourth and one? You know, we got a 6'5 quarterback. We got a franchise tackle. Why make this more complicated than what it is? You see what I'm saying? So, um, again, with no disrespect intended, that comment about, uh, you know, about Moten, um, he definitely, if you if you consistently watch all his plays week in and week out, you'll see exactly what I'm talking about. And I'll uh, I'll just leave it at that. All right, well, finally got uh, James, the Brit Buck, joining us uh, tonight to talk about this upcoming Bucks thing this week. It's good to have you back, uh, James. How you been doing? I've been doing good, guys. It's great to be back here. Um, as I say, it's always good to catch up with you guys and I have a talk like NFC South football and just generally across the NFL. And like I know you guys, we've got a good rivalry going on. So yeah, it's just been fun. Can't wait to get doing this. Right. So you want to talk about the uh, game last night the, uh, versus New Orleans? Or prefer to move on from that? Oh yeah, no, I'm absolutely like I. I, I'm happy to talk about that game. Just, you know what? And I don't know if, like, you guys in Carolina know this, but right now we are searching all over the Tampa Bay area for the guy that made a deal with Beelzebub because that's the only reason that I can come up with with how we actually performed the way that we did. You know, some dude walked up to the crossroads and, you know what? There he was, Lucifer himself pops up and he says, you know what? The Saints are only going to score nine points. They're only going to run for 61 yards. They're only going to run for a throw the ball for 151 yards. And you know what? The dumbass ran off before he read the terms and conditions. Because if he'd have stayed, obviously Lucifer would have been telling us all that, yes, Brady will do absolutely nothing. The books will be riddled with injuries. Well, that isn't always the case there, like Bill. Um, you know what? We've both gone back and forward being each other's whipping boys from time to time. So, as I say, it's more of a rivalry between us than it is with the Saints. You know what? Our coach, Bruce Arians, said the perfect thing when he said, there's no rivalry. We haven't won enough games. And, yeah, last night, I, I don't know what kind of voodoo or, like, Santorita was going on, but it just that was just totally no bueno. Um, I I was just watching the game in shock, and I I don't know what to tell you. Um, it's statistically it was a dominant performance in all different places. You could turn around and go, yes, Tampa Bay is dominating New England, New New Orleans, but the the problem is is it didn't dominate where it mattered. Third down completions, getting into the red zone, scoring points, anybody. But, yeah, last night was fun. <laughs> so your injury report, I mean, you guys were illiterate for a net. Uh, Chris Godwin, I think, what he tore his ACL, so he's going to be done for the season. He's Mike. done. Um, 
waiting uh, to hear about the severity of Mike Evans' hamstring issues, right. Leonard Fournette. Now, you know what? I like Lenny as a back. I think he gives a lot of sort of difference that, you know, hasn't been in the team. He gives a lot of aggression to the position. He is a north and south runner. He will power through people. But he's also got a little bit of shiftiness to break into the second level. He's developing his pass catching, and frankly, this in, this injury sucks. However, though, having Ronald Jones back there, you know what? I'm happy with Jones being that there. He's he's shown time and time again that he's a more than capable back in the NFL. He's got breakaway speed. We've seen that with a 97-yard touchdown run um, when he just ran away from everybody. Um, so, yeah, the problem is is now that, you know what, you guys have seen this when um, McCaffrey went down. Once you lose your primary back and you start working into those backup positions, that, that's when you start generating problems because you can be forced to become one-dimensional and... I don't see that being too much of a problem, but I think if we're having to spell uh, Ronald Jones out of the game and, and put Keyshawn Vaughn in, I don't think the running game is as threatening as it is with Leonard Fournette being backed up by Ronald Jones. Right. Well, so better news for you guys, you're supposed to be getting Antonio Brown back this week, correct? Yeah, um, and I'm sure no doubt some of you have, have seen the the comments made by Bruce Arians uh, regarding the the backlash that was received. Right. Now, you know, I'm not going to sit here and say, you know, what Antonio Brown is is a bum and needs to be be cut for different reasons. He is a generational talent, and you know, any team, if you sort of, if this was Madden and you didn't have the circus that comes with Antonio Brown. All 32 teams in the league would want him on the roster. Uh, it's it's a no-brainer. However, this is real life. And Antonio Brown, he is like a magnet for drama. And this is the thing. I don't care how talented you are. If you are, you know what, scoring touchdowns and getting yards, etc., etc., on a team that is struggling... If you are the only viable option at wide receiver, you know what? I can understand like a little bit of slack being given to someone of Antonio Brown's histrionics. But, you know, the decision to bring him back was made prior to Sunday night's game. We didn't know that we were losing Mike Evans for at least a game, maybe two. We didn't know that we were losing Chris Godwin for the entire season. We didn't know that other injuries were going to sort of come in. And we've had injuries actually in every sort of position room uh, last night. Um, am I happy that we're keeping Antonio Brown around? In a sense, yeah, because, you know, now he's become the team's number one receiver. He will help during the injuries. Am I happy about keeping Antonio Brown the person around on the roster? Not really. And... This is something that is, you know, even if you're pro-vax, anti-vax, whatever your status is on, on vaccines and things like that. Um, and you know what, Chris, you're absolutely right. 
Arians did say that he was on a very short leash, and I loved that. I absolutely loved that Arians was going to be putting pressure on Brown, and Brown really seemed to respond to it. He was, you know, he was doing the right things, he was saying the right things, but unfortunately, Antonio Brown, gonna Antonio Brown. And the thing for me is, as I say, it doesn't matter what your status and what your views are. You know what? Aaron Rodgers had an issue with it, and then he came out and said what his issues were, and there was no suspension, and there was whatever goes on between Goodall and the Green Bay Packers. The concern that I have for this and why I felt he should have been cut is you've breached the trust. You've not only breached the trust of the organization, but the players around you as well. You've essentially gone into the building you've gone into meetings, you've been in the locker room, and you've talked to players face-to-face, and you've essentially lied to their faces about what your vaccine status is, regardless of, of how you feel about it. You know, I, I totally understand if people are apprehensive about getting a vaccine. I understand it. I, I used to work in, in a medical field. It's one of the most common sort of concerns that people have is with something being put into their body. But when you go and you get a fake vaccine card and then you present yourself to everybody around you as as one thing, and it doesn't matter what that thing is, is you've essentially lied to everyone around you. You've let the team down. And ultimately, he's let himself down. Um, happy to keep the like the player, but the person... Once again, he's left a better taste. So you think um, Antonio Brown would have still been brought back had you not had the injuries to Evans and Godwin? Um, I think the decision, as I say, um, had already made based from things that I'd heard from within the the, the building um, is that he was going to be coming back regardless. Okay. And Mike Edwards as well. They provide too much value to the team. And it was kind of felt that maybe cutting the nose off despite the face if you are cutting someone of the caliber of Antonio Brown. And of course, when you have a safety like Mike Edwards, who's come in, who's performed, has done consistently well at the position, has made plays on the ball, um, I think when you sort of look at those two players and you can go, okay, do their contributions outweigh their transgressions? For me, I ultimately what they did isn't, I don't think, absolutely serious. Uh, I think the, like, sorry, the subject of what they did isn't so serious. It is more the fact that they were dishonest about it. And then the third guy is more famous for like his appearance on Last Chance You than anything he's done in Tampa. Now, as far as the game goes, I know the Panthers, one of the concerns I had going into this game was our run defense going up against your offensive line. I mean, even though you're missing some skill position players, Fournette, uh, Godwin, and Evans, you still have one of the most formidable offensive lines in the league. You just kind of talk about how they've been performing and what you'd expect from them this week. Yeah, Um and coming off the back of last night as well is last night was a really, really shocking performance for the offensive line. And honestly, it is that in 
like I know people have sort of pointed at missed calls and they've pointed at this, that, and and other things. For me, the difference last night was the offensive line. New Orleans was able to quickly get into the backfield. They got in Brady's face. They rattled him, and he didn't respond well to it at all. When you have a situation going on where you know you've lost your top two receivers, you've lost that chemistry of your two in quick reads. You know where Gronk is, but now Gronk is being double covered by by the Saints defense because they have rookies on the outside of them, or at least rookie and a sophomore player. Um, I think if last night's performance is anything to go by, we are in a lot of trouble. Bearing in mind in the last six quarters of football, including overtime, we've scored just nine points. That's not a a convincing offensive output. This is probably, before the injuries started mounting up, this was probably one of the most powerful, and it's not hyperbole, if you look at actually the production of the players, probably one of the most highly powered offenses in the NFL. If, you know what, yeah, I know Mike Evans isn't an NFL household name. I know Chris Godwin isn't an NFL household name. Cameron Brait, probably people outside of Florida haven't heard of the guy. But you know what? People like this who are on the books roster, on the offense, have been producing for years and years and years. People don't actually realize that Mike Evans is well on his way to an eighth consecutive 1,000-yard season. Before his injury, Chris Godwin had already racked up a 1,000 yards. So this is a crazy productive offense. And up until, I would say, halfway through the Bills game. They did an excellent job at keeping people away from Tom Brady. They were the ultimate entourage security team. They kept Brady's pocket clean, and he was allowed to do his thing. And when Brady can do his thing, you forced defensive coordinators to either respect the run or respect the pass. There's no way that you can physically do both. And whichever one you choose... Brady's going to see what you've chosen and then do the other thing. But what New Orleans showed was the fact that if you get in his face and get him off stride, it is very, very hard. I mean, I'm not even going to go into the like awful, awful coaching to completely abandon the run game, even when it was so successful, and just force like Brady down the Saints' throat. Sometimes you have to take a step back and realize it when it's not working. Um, now, when you look at how this offensive line has been, Donovan Smith, I've said for the longest time, he, you know what, he blocks like fog and he holds like Spider-Man. He's just a rotating gate on that side. And this is where people like Giovanni Bernard and Gronk have been helping out. And not a lot of people realize just how much Gronkowski has been helping in the running game, how he's been helping in the passing game when he hasn't been going on routes. I mean, this guy is a monster. If he wasn't so athletic, he probably would be an offensive tackle. Um, but you know what? Next to him is is Ali Marpet, who's probably one of the best interior guards in the NFL at the moment. He's, you know what? He's done so well ever since he's come in. He's just been Mr. Consistent. 
Ryan Jensen in the middle is just an absolute berserker. Um, he, you know what? He plays with so much passion, and sometimes that passion gets away. Um, and unfortunately, it is going to cost the team and him at times. Um, as far as like you know how the offensive line is going to do against Carolina, obviously I keep a close eye on you guys as as divisional rivals. And you know what? I know like I've got your little stats here on on the screen. Obviously, Tampa Bay is is heavily favored in this game, and you know there is every possibility that it is going to be an absolute walloping, but. You just you have to take what's in front of you. And right now, do I trust that offensive line to be able to keep Carolina's blitz at bay? Not in the slightest right now. Down like two of our top three receivers, is Brady going to have that chemistry with the guys who are out there that he's going to not need that extra half a second to go through his reads and make sure everyone is where they're supposed to be? And this is going to be one of the biggest problems. Do I have any concerns about our defense? None whatsoever. They kept one of the best offenses in the league to nine points and basically no yards. And, you know, if I had to turn around to fans before the game and said, listen, hey, you know what? Nine points, let, let like a 50 or 60 yard rushing, 150 yard passing. Every single person I offered that to would have taken it. The problem is right now it's the offense. This is. A, a Ferrari of an offense being asked to run on a hairdryer's motor. And it's just, it's not working. And the coaches need to look at the tape and they need to ask themselves some very hard questions because it's a coaching thing generally for me. Um, but you know what? I, I, I hate saying this, but I, I am not completely dismissing the Panthers in this game. Um, and I'm going to just like, have to be honest, I wouldn't be surprised if you win. I would not be remotely surprised if this was the start of a couple of bad weeks in Tampa. So, you know what? Lose against the Saints, lose against the Panthers, recover against the Jets, split you guys at home, and then just scrape our asses into the playoffs. Oh, wow. Because I know a lot of Panthers fans are kind of, taped it in for this season and already looking forward to the draft. Now, I know, uh, Kev, you toasted some stats on our defense today that you're not completely sold on them. What do you think? You know, what are you looking at this week? You know, and you know we Bucks have a pretty good interior O-line. We struggled against some good O-lines this year, particularly stopping the run. How do you like our matchup this week? Um, as far as our matchup this week, one thing that I noticed was uh, see, like, Cam Jordan just had a uh, resurgence game against someone that that I felt like was literally a brick wall since he got drafted last year. That's right tackle Tristan Worse. Like he pretty much owned him last night. Like I'm like, okay, Cam Jordan, that's all right. You're looking like the guy that used to be, you know, that dude three or four years ago. Like he just was having his way. I don't, I don't know if there was anything wrong with Tristan Worse. That was probably, I would say, and James, you can. Verify, and that's probably easily his worst game, not only maybe this year, but as a pro, because he simply, like I remember him saying last night, he's only given up maybe like one pressure all season. And Cam Jordan, less Cam, I'm sorry, go ahead, go ahead. 
yeah, this this is. I, I'm glad you you brought it up because you know I was going to see if I could sneak back out the door without bringing this up. So basically, um, all throughout Tristan Wirth's sort of career in the NFL, if you actually look at his stats, he's like on his way to the Hall of Fame just on stats alone. Until last night happened, now he looks more normal. He actually looks human. Um, but yeah, I, I you know I can remember going back to the draft. Um, I was doing a pre-draft show over with the guys over at the books. And like I, I could just see Worths falling. And I said to the guys, I said, I really want this guy. I We need a tackle. This is the tackle that I want. And I was so happy to get him. And but you know, I not even in my wildest dreams could I have imagined how good he was going to sort of transfer to the NFL level. He's he's been an absolute beast out there. He's he gave up a single pressure and a single sack in rookie season. He hadn't done anything at all. This like, he had gone through this entire season, as I say, like with one pressure, zero sacks, like ridiculously high passing grades, ridiculously high rushing grades. Uh, he wasn't sloppy with penalties either. And then last night came along and it was a lot for him to deal with because he was often dealing with two to three rushers in his area um, because the Saints very quickly realized that Donovan Smith is a turnstile. And as long as they bought a ticket, they could just go through. <laughs> Yeah, because, um, you know, when you look at, um, I don't know if you saw the stat line, Cam Jordan had, um, it says here, he had two sacks, two tackles for losses, three quarterback hits, and five tackles. So he, uh, you, that's, that's, that's a pretty dominating stat line for one guy against one of the uh, premier young up-and-coming um, uh young tackles in the league that was just totally you know dominant i mean I'm, i was seeing tristan worse on his backside way more than what i've ever seen yeah. him through through on the field so it was just for me it was total shock i mean everybody has that you know what the fuck game or shit game um i'm gonna just say welcome to the is, nfl <laughs> yeah i'm gonna say that's more of a blip than a trend but i would say that uh i don't know if it was just uh power of Cam Jordan or not, but him versus Hassan Reddick, I feel like would be a key matchup to this game. Um, Hassan Reddick yeah. has definitely been a, a <laughs> he's definitely uh, verifying that uh, last year was not just a one a one time thing. Um, if I'm not mistaken, he's currently leading uh, all Pro Bowl uh, linebackers in votes right now. Uh, take it for what it's worth. Now him as a run blocker. We can talk about that a little bit later on, but far as I mean, excuse me, um, a run stopper. We could talk about that a little bit later. But as far as getting out to the quarterback, uh, you'd be hard pressed to find five of the guys this season that has done it with the consistency of a of a Hassan Reddick. So Reddick versus Worse uh, would definitely mm -hmm. be a, a key matchup to look for uh, in this game. And in, in, um, in my in my um, observation. Yeah, no, and I'd absolutely agree with you as well. And what's going to be really interesting about the the matchup between Reddick and Wirfs is the fact that Wirfs is typically used to seeing guys with their hand in the dirt, whereas Reddick's going to come at him from a two-point stance. He's going to come from narrow. He's going to come wide. He's going to come through gaps. He's going to come over the top. 
it is really going to be. I like you know I'm not going to like blow smoke up your asses and say that like physically Redick is going to be able to compete with Worfs. If Worfs can get Redick into a, a physical battle, then Worfs will always win that. The guy's an absolute monster. Where it is going to be the most interesting battle in the trenches is it's going to be the mental war between them. Now, obviously, your defensive coordinator is going to have to think about how to to get pressure on Brady. And that is going to start with how do you get around like the interior line? How do you get people around the outside to rattle Brady? Now, neither of the backs that we have are competent at pass blocking. So, you know what? If you beat the line, then it's going to be a race between like whoever is after Brady and Brady's arm. So don't be surprised if there are a lot of screens thrown uh, in the game next week. It's probably going to be a sort of safe game plan to sort of see how effective your pass rush is going to be. But I think Reddick's going to pop up in different places. And I don't think he's going to constantly be focusing on with. He's going to be switching around on the line as well. He's going to take, like, pot shots at every single one of our guys on the line and he's someone that has to be respected do i think that he will be a a difference maker i don't think he will have the same effect that cameron jordan had just simply for this fact is cameron jordan does have a better supporting cast around him right now than you guys have got beside reddick and on that defensive line uh, I think Wirfs as well was sort of distracted having to do someone else's job because Alex Kappa sometimes turns into a ghost or a pylon next to him. Um, so, you know, it's it's going to be interesting. It's going to definitely be um, the, the biggest matchup in those trenches is going to be can Reddit get to Tom Brady and can Wirfs keep Tom Brady clean in that pocket? That is going to go a long way to sort of deciding where the attrition in this game goes. But, you know, there's going to be battles all over the uh, the field. A question here. Chin seemed to struggle in coverage versus Knox last week. Are we going to stick him or Shaq on Gronk? I think with Evans and Godwin hurt, you're probably going to see some bracketing and double teaming on Gronk. I think you'll have a safety over top with possibly a linebacker underneath. I think we'll see a lot more zone coverage this week. Uh, particularly you don't want to leave, you know, I mean, I don't know if uh, Gilmore or CJ Henderson, I don't think they want to leave them isolated with Antonio Brown very often. So I think Phil Snow, especially with the injury to Dante Jackson, has been switching up to more zone looks than we've been used to seeing. I think just with Gronk, you're going to see a combination of uh, zone coverage. And if we're in man, you'll probably have a safety over the top to try to get uh, two bodies on him. But he's definitely somebody we're going to have to keep accounting for. Uh, most of this game. Let's uh, switch gears here and talk about uh, the offensive side of the ball. I know Kev's going to be disgusted trying to talk about some of these matchups with, you know, Pat Elfline and against hey, Peter, I'm all Bay, defense, Peter man. Barrett versus Cam Irving. Uh, James, how do you like your D-line matchup against our pathetic turnstile offensive line? <laughs> This this is this is kind of like you know as we were talking about like your defense and offense I was I was a lot more comfortable in that conversation. It's going to be brutal. Um, 
the the problem is is right now your offensive line is going through a lot of retooling and rebuilding. I don't think you are settled on who you want where. And as I say, that's from my sort of you looking as an outsider. It just it just it feels like maybe like do your coaches know who who is going to play where? Do they know from week to week, let alone who's going to be here next next year? Um and you know what? It's it sucks for you guys because listen, like I've spoken to like you like guys before and we've spoken like off this platform. I know you guys know your football and anyone who knows fo- football who is a Carolina Panthers fan right now must be screaming in anguish that would rival something out of the seventh level of hell. You cannot perform without an own line. <laughs> oh, <laughs> Oh, can we get a paramedic to that burn kit there, please? Um, yeah, I mean, it's it's not quite as delicately as I would have put it, but you know what? Drew's got a point. There are a lot of holes in that offensive line. Um, and this is the thing, is whilst you're not getting any consistency on that offensive line, you're not building up any chemistry which means that you're not working as a unit. And you know what? I could pick, literally, like, if I was magical or anything like that, Doctor Strange, I could pull the five strongest people on the planet and stick them in front of Cam Newton, and I could take three trained pass rushers who would beat them every time. And this is what's going to happen, is your offensive line is supposed to be working as a unit, and they've not had the opportunity to do that because they're being chopped and changed all over the place. They're going to have, like, in their faces, Vida Vea. I mean, I don't know if any of you have seen Vida Vea up close, but God did not intend something that big to be that strong or fast. And... This guy, Vita Vey, will easily take up the attention of your centre and both of your interior guards, which is going to leave your tackles having to choose between either going after Ndama Kasu or, depending on the sign, uh, William Golson, or are they going to try and block JPP? Are they going to try and block Shep? And it doesn't matter which decision they make, it's going to be the wrong one because Todd Bowles is just going to keep bringing guys and eventually the line is going to be overwhelmed. Eventually the line, the communication is going to break down. And once it starts breaking down, it falls apart. And you guys have seen this. Once the stacks, like we saw it last night, once the pressure starts building, it just, the floodgates break. And, you know, I would not be, I noticed that someone in the comments said that we were going to dump 40 on you guys. I wouldn't be surprised if this is a low scoring game. I honestly would not be surprised if this was a low-scoring game that finished something ridiculous like 17-14. It's a rivalry game as well, and like records and performances mean nothing. I mean, you guys have been absolutely propping up the NFC. You guys have been propping up the NFL, have walked into Raymond James Stadium, slapped the Buccaneers around, 
and then left to go and pick up your number one draft pick. The same has happened with, with us. So you know what? Form, record, none of it means anything. This is where it comes down to. It is a rivalry game. Both teams will want to beat each other. I, offensively, I don't think you stand a chance. I think the Buccaneers' defense is still one of the best defenses in the league. And I don't think they are going to offer any quarter. Our offense, on the other hand, if you can slow down that offense, you know what? Maybe you get some good plays. Maybe you get the defense to overcommit onto something. And you can make some plays through special teams, through turnovers. But, you know, offensively, the Panthers don't scare me as much as they do defensively. Now, Kev, I know we watched Vito Veo blow up with Matt Paradis year after year. I mean, that's not only Vito. They got Dominican Sue. They got Jason Pierre-Paul. They got Shaquille Barrett. I mean, what advantage is Where do we deal with this? <laughs> This is the best D-line we've seen all year? <laughs> um, you can definitely make an argument. Um, Bucks defense should be real simple, um, James. Rush four and drop seven, seriously. I, for, for what you described right there, Vita Vea may have a – seriously may have a career game. I don't know what his career game is as far as sacks, QB oh, no, no. hits, quarterback pressures. Huh? I think his his career game is, and this is off the top of my head. I believe it is only two sacks. I think that okay. has been his his career game. He's he sort of specializes in opening things up for everyone else. When you look at when um, like Shaq Barrett went on that absolutely ridiculous season where he was leading the NFL in in sacks, um, and then you look at the work that Vita Vea did. There were times where he was occupying four offensive linemen as he was barreling towards the quarterback, and Shaq Barrett was able to just sweep up around the outside. That's what Vita Vea brings. Yeah, Vita Vea is the perfect definition of a dominant <laughs> I'm, I'm player <laughs> who doesn't put up dominant stats because a lot of fans are so kept. Fans are really are literally just look at defense linemen first, then they look at his sacks, and they'll determine whether he's a good player or not. That's that's probably the yeah. late – that's probably one of my biggest pet fees of, of NFL fans is the laziness of how to properly evaluate the effectiveness of, of linemen, particularly defensive linemen um, as well. Mm -hmm. You know, it's, it's either sacks or bust when it's far from it, but if you – Take the time to watch Vita because I think Vita Vay just came off injury, right? And he's just getting his way. Yeah, he's he's had a rough sort of time with injuries, um, had a few niggles, missed a few games. He's back now and he's looking healthy. So obviously we lost him la like last season as well. I just, you know, I know with some of these like huge athletes, injuries can be a problem just simply because of the size of them. Um and and everything they're kind of asked to do as well around um sort of their size and playing the game. So I know that he has been struggling with like niggling ankle and knee injuries. Uh he does seem to be actually now fully healthy um after those injuries. So yeah, it's it's gonna be good to see obviously what he can do fully healthy. We've seen what he can do, and it's obviously we want to see him continue to do that. But 
absolutely have the you, you nailed the like like the nail on, is on there. Um, Vita Vea doesn't show up in the stat sheet a lot, and unless you watch what he does, you might not even know that he exists. But as you say, it's lazy when you just look at you know how many sacks, how many tackles for a loss. And those actually tell such a small story of how a player is actually performing, especially as you say, defensive linemen. Because you know what? That season that Shaq Barrett's got all those sacks was because of the work of the defensive line who were occupying blockers so that the linebackers had a free run at the quarterback. Now, you don't have a stat that says occupied a bunch of to actually free up everybody else. So a lot of it goes missed. And you know what, Kev? I'm absolutely with you there. It is lazy and it's so frustrating to see. Mm-hmm. Uh, doesn't stop with your uh, D-line. I mean, you also got a good pair of linebackers with uh, Devin White and Levante David. How have they been performing this year? You know what? Um, Levante David is by far one of the most underrated linebackers. And I know, like, a lot of you guys watching this are probably like, oh, my God, typical bias Tampa fan. But you know what? Look at the production of what he's actually done, what he brings to the team, and how long he's been doing it for. Levante David is by far one of the most underrated linebackers in in the NFL. He is a sideline-to-sideline north south east and west kind of guy he's the team leader now we we used to have quan alexander um then he got injured then he went we didn't really have anyone in the middle and then we drafted this kid who as i say you know i'm i have absolutely no shame in saying this i wasn't fully sold on devin white as an inside linebacker you know what? Yeah, he had like speed in mountains, but you know what? This is the NFL. You can't make mistakes and then chase people down. And he proved me wrong twice. He can make mistakes and chase people down. He he really is that fast. And you know what? He's learned so much in sort of the time that he's already been with the team in this just his second year. He's becoming a vocal leader in the locker room. He's becoming a leader on the sidelines. He's becoming a leader on the field. He's making those plays, not only just using the physical abilities he has, but also his his football IQ. And I think he's going to be one of, now that the spotlight is more on Tampa Bay, because of obviously Brady, Gronkowski, Antonio Brown, the Super Bowl, I think there are going to be more players like Devin White who are going to start featuring in the national spotlight, Um, which is going to be hard when it comes to free agency because, you know, we never really had too much trouble signing our lesser-known free agents because no one really knew who they were. Um, But you know what? This time around, it's it's going to be different. Everybody knows who who Devin White is, and he's, he's justified a lot of the praise that he's received. Kev, I mean, without Christian McCaffrey, I mean, we're working with Amir Abdullah, Chuba Hubbard, and some unproductive tight ends. Do you see any ways to attack the middle of the field against these linebackers this week? (laughs) Nah, I'm not even going to humor myself or insult 
our, our special guest here because simply put, uh, we haven't featured them enough attacking the middle field for me to have any type of slightest evidence to feel. Um, because we're not just talking about two regular starting caliber. We're talking about two high level. You can probably make a case for all pro caliber um, linebackers. I think either one of them could easily make first, second, or third team um, all pro. Um, they, they got a resume. Even if they don't, their resume would definitely have them in that conversation. Um, I mean, just the way that they can – I've seen them times where the defensive line and the secondary struggling and the linebackers have simply made enough plays for the Bucks to get out with a win. I've seen that on a couple of occasions over the past couple of years, just, just off of them two alone. So – um, Vita Vea, <laughs> Vita Vea, and no two linebackers. Enough said. Um, <laughs> because the way Vita's gonna collapse the pocket, our tight ends ain't gonna get down the field long enough to attack the scene. And by the time that they do, you know, both uh, Levante David and um, White got the type of hands that can take advantage of uh, any type of late throw or or ill-timed throw. So, um, now I, I have zero confidence, not because we don't have talent to challenge them, but because our talent just just hasn't been featured. Um, you know, our tight ends get the occasional two, maybe three targets uh, during a game. Um, I can't think of one game where any one of our tight ends this year has ever had more than three catches. Um, and that's, that's, that's sad considering the talent that we have. Um, you know, Will, I wasn't a huge fan when we drafted Tommy Trumbull. I felt like we drafted him a little too early. I felt like he was a day three pick um, when a time we could have got some linemen. But uh, he has shown the few times he has gotten the ball, he can stretch the ball deep. Uh, he can run, you know, option routes. He can uh, he can get it moving, but he's just never been featured in the offense, no matter who's at quarterback, no matter who's been an offensive coordinator. So – Nah, there's 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 nothing of any confidence I have that we can threaten the middle of this bus defense with the uh, tight ends or the running backs. Now you know the um, Bucks secondary, if I recall, you guys had some injuries early in the season. I think Murphy Bunting went down, Carlton Davis went down, Jamel oh, yeah, went down. How are you guys doing? Health-wise on the back end? Like we we had everyone injured. I mean, you guys are lucky that you went walking past like. Raymond James Stadium because you know what that have just dragged you in, like you know what you cover this guy here. That that's what we were down to. I mean, did you see as well last night that the books tweeted out like, if you're wearing a red jersey, can you please make your way to the field? You're probably going to be needed. But yeah, um, injuries have just been absolutely brutal this year. And I was I was saying a conversation earlier today actually. This was like our window to go back to back. And because of that, you know what? We brought back all 22 players. We signed all our free agents. The problem is, is we signed a lot of them to one-year deals. But now injuries have kind of exploded the wheels off the bus. We're going to lose a lot of these players in free agency. And frankly, with that secondary, we have far more questions than we do have answers. Uh, Mike Edwards, as we were talking about earlier, is returning from suspension. Uh, Jamal Dean is injured. He's been back. 
now he's injured again. Um, I mean, we've got like like players like Delaney, Desir, Adams. These are guys that are practice squad players, and they are starting as safety cornerback for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, and that's not very promising. And the thing that's always worried me and worries a lot of fans about this defense is, you know what, if you can actually get the ball out and in the air, you have a better than average chance of completing that pass. You know what, like Kevin was saying earlier, he was saying like he doesn't feel that and like this team has offensively enough to challenge the Buccaneers' defense. You know what, if you get the ball out of Newton's hands early enough and you know yes i mean i i feel like deja vu i think we had this conversation last year maybe two years ago where we said you know newton's arm isn't what it used to be it's even less than it used to be now and you know he can still throw the ball let's remember that this is i know you guys have a love-hate relationship with cam newton but coming as an outsider this is a guy who can still move the ball downfield um, can he do it as consistently consistently as what he once did? Probably not, but he can still do it. And if he's doing it against a lot of backups, as he will be doing against the Buccaneers, then you know what? He has a chance of, of succeeding with those passes. You could find that you, your offense comes out using misdirection to take advantage of the speed of the linebackers and defensive line to get them out of the play. You could find that like deep bombs come off for you guys. But every time a team goes deep on the Buccaneers, I'm thinking more about it being completed than I am about it being like picked off or even batted away. That's how much faith we have. Right, let's get to some of these uh, fan comments before we sign off for the night. You know, Samuel Tate has some a few comments. I joined late. Maybe talked about how it seems if if it's possible rules send Sammy D back out there. Yeah, Matt Rule surprisingly didn't really commit to Cam Newton as his starter today. I think Sam Darnold is supposed to be medically cleared. So I mean, what will we see this week? Is it going to be Sam Darnold get his job back? Is going to use Cam in red zone situation? I mean. James, as a Bucks fan, do you have any preference on who you'd rather see between Newton and Darnold this week? <laughs> uh, just simply, I'd rather see um, like Darnold. Just <laughs> I, I hate the sight of Cam Newton playing the Bucks. <laughs> like as I said before, like, like I know you guys have got like this love hate relationship with Cam Newton. It's like, I mean, you guys went back to your ex. You never go back to your ex. It's but you know what. Sam Darnold came in, and honestly, like I, I was actually, I remember actually saying to you, Kev, as well, actually, hey, you know what? That's a really, really good pickup. You know what? He didn't get a fair chance in in New York because, let's be honest, it was New York. It was the Jets. Um, even now, with the, the the problems that you're going through, Sam Darnold still has more talent around him than he did in New York. Let that sink in. Now, when Cam Newton first came into the league, he was an absolute nightmare for the Buccaneers. He just seemed to have the defense's number. 
And every time that we've played him since, he's just seemed to know how to play against our defense. Do I, I think he's the long-term option for you guys? Absolutely not. As I say, you know what? You guys went back to your ex-girlfriend, and I hope it's just simply because the sex was so good. Uh, this relationship ain't lasting. Um, like, call me when she kicks you out. But honestly, Sam Donald is more likely to be the future in Carolina than Cam Newton is. And I can... I can like I can see Kevin shaking his head, but you know, no. <laughs> no. hear me out. You know, you should never trust anyone who begins a sentence with "hear me out." <laughs> but <laughs> hear me out. <laughs> this for me, it just it reeks of Cam Newton's swan song before walking into the sunset when this season ends. I think he's wanted to come back to Carolina so he could retire where it all started. I think he was hoping it was going to go a lot better than it did, but I still think that, you know what, for the last three games of the season, maybe two games of the season, throw Cam out there for a little bit to sort of say goodbye to the fans. But I, I don't know. I think you've got more chance of bringing Donald back next year than you have Cam Newton. <laughs> Ooh, no. well, the reason why I was too happy about that. <laughs> Go ahead, Kevin. Yeah. The reason I was shaking my head, um, James, is because of the uh, type of negotiations that was going on to bring Cam back. Both were interested in multi-year deals. The reason why they went with the one-year deal was because there was more upfront money out of the $10 million that he signed for, $6 million um, was going to be guaranteed. Uh, $4.5 million uh, base, $1.5 million uh, roster bonus, and I think it was like $4 million in incentives. Basically, five hundred thousand dollars if uh, for every uh, uh, playoff game he won this year. So basically, if he won four playoff games, he would have got the other uh, four million. Um, so for but as far as the whole thing with Sam Donald, I play the only way Sam Donald even remotely starts again for us as is if this rule has gotten the complete. Uh, okay a confirmation that he's going to be back because you know for the same things that matt rule has placed blame on cam newton he called up sam donald for the exact same thing he was saying a quarterback uh he can't um quarterback should not be having more than two turnovers there was about four games where sam donald had at least three turnovers but he never came out and said that about you know uh sam donald and you know, when, when it was announced, how did they come about making a signing of Cam Newton? Uh, Matt Rule, he seemed kind of discombobulated. I think it was a Tuesday. It was it was confirmed it was actually on a um, – he said he thought it was a Monday. It was actually confirmed by Federer and Cam that it was on a Tuesday. I now believe that the owner, Mr. Tepper, was the one that was like, uh, apologize, go get Cam and bring him back. Uh me personally, I'm on the bandwagon of saying that you're right. And as far as the aspect of Cam Newton is not the long-term solution for this team, I will agree with you on that. However, with this quarterback carousel that we've been on since we released Cam Newton uh, early last year, when you think about uh, you know depending on you know every, well, I, I start back with his injuries. I think what we we up to like we don't had seven different quarterbacks start for us. Uh, since Cam went on IR in 2019 from 
Tal Allen, Taylor Heineke to uh, Teddy to PJ Walker. I mean, it's just it's just been an ongoing um, list. Like, James, we currently are paying five quarterbacks right now. The three wow. on our roster. Yeah, we're playing Sam Barkley, a backup, um, PJ Walker, Sam Donald, Cam Newton, and Teddy Bridgewater. All of them are going to cash checks signed by Dave Tepper this year, you know, signed by the Panthers this year. Dave Tepper with Will Gritson. That's crazy. Hey, you yeah. know what? At least it's not Jimmy Clausen. I would take Jimmy over Sam Donald right now. <laughs> oh, wow. Wow. That's wow. <laughs> At least, at least Jimmy didn't. At least Jimmy okay? didn't see. At least Jimmy didn't see Ghost. You know what I'm saying? I mean, there was so many times, James, when we broke down field. Sam Donald. Matter of fact, if you want to humor yourself, go back to our game. Our first play of the game at the New York Giants. He had a pitcher, perfect pocket, no pressure. The guys were blocking the ass off. He looks dead at the cornerback and throws the ball to him for an interception. <laughs> Bruh. What? Oh, I remember it. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm just, uh, yeah, yeah. I'm done. Um, I'm, I'm a fan of give Cam a two year with a th- with a third year option, uh, in the draft. Pick up a quarterback, let him learn to sit behind because whatever change or not going to go on, whether we get rid of rule or not, you needed some quarterback with enough experience to get through this morphosis of changes that we keep going through. You know, just to stick another rookie into a shit storm. Is not oh, yeah. going to be beneficial for it. So this is where you need that veteran that's been there, done that, seen it all, know the coverages, you know, been through it, and and you know that's just my own personal perception. You know, I've got a question actually. You know what? Like both, like I'm going to have a little bit of fun here. I know this is your show, but you know, this is- <laughs> so go ahead, I'm do your thing. I'm going to give you the opportunity so you can draft either a prime. Cam Newton, prime Teddy Bridgewater, or prime Jake Delhomme. Who are you taking? This year, Cam Newton, definitely. You know what, like, the, the draft is coming up next year, and you're going to take a quarterback. And in the draft is Jake Delhomme, Cam Newton, and Teddy Bridgewater. They're all college. They're all coming out at the same time. Who would you rather have out of those three? Yeah, Cam Newton, just based off his traits coming out, he was a special athlete with high upside coming out in his prime. I don't think we'll ever see that type of talent, size, talent, athleticism at that position in a while. And Josh Allen's probably going to be the closest thing we've seen since that. (laughs) Yeah, same with me. Cam Newton. Now, I was one of the ones I had a lot of people disagree with me. I felt like that when we drafted Cam, because he was so raw as far as his footwork and fundamentals, I felt like that Cam should have redshirted that rookie year in 2011, um, got his footwork done. You know, we was coming off a 2 of 14 season in 2010, uh, let Jimmy Clausen have his, you know, thing in 20, um, 2011, and then unleash a fundamentally sound Cam Newton in 2012, you know, that me, I thought long term, that would have been better for not only Cam as a player, but for the franchise, you know, because, you know, we had some bad contracts we need to get rid of. Um, but it didn't happen. But, uh, but, but between those choices, yeah, definitely give me Cam Newton because he's basically passing wise, he's similar to Jake DeLone. 
just a lot more athletically uh, with his legs. Because if you compare the passing statistics of Cam Newton and Jake DeLone, if you just compare their numbers side by side during their prime here in Carolina, um, they're very they're very similar. See, I you know, I'm kind of surprised. I like, like I'm I'm more surprised at you actually, Kev, because I, I I see you as a bit more of a traditionalist. I I thought that you'd go for like the classic Jake Delhomme, but you know what, Carl actually makes a really good comment there, and um, then the comment saying like, imagine if you guys had Cam in 2003. With the team that you had back then, if you had probably the versatility of Cam Newton with like his ability to run the ball, uh, I think you guys would would have probably been one of the best teams in the NFL, like in history. Like that team that you had in two thousand three was like scary, but defensive line definitely. Yeah, Cam Newton and Stephen Davis in a backfield. How you like that read option? Right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, I take anything I mean, I over head about head. like you guys, like Jonathan Stewart and what's his like the guy whose name I can never remember. I hear this comment about Rule throwing players under his bus in interviews. Brother Bruce Arians tend to make comments about uh, even Jameis Winston and Tom Brady in interviews, or is he a guy that defends his players? No, Bruce throws them. I mean, I've been been sat in in press conferences with Bruce before now, and he will will throw players. um, You know, actually, you know, he will hold players accountable. Um, I think what um, Samuel's saying there is is slightly different, whereas I've seen rules sort of hold players responsible for maybe something that they're not responsible for, um, whereas Bruce Arians will actually hold players accountable. And if someone does something wrong, it's like, you know what, the first time that we played against the Saints this season, uh, Brady threw two interceptions, I want to say. And you know what? Both of those interceptions were bad passes by Tom Brady. Um, and as Arian said, you know what? They happen. Like, Tom's human. Uh, I think there's a difference between throwing players under a bus to sort of divert attention from yourself, which is what uh, Rule does a lot of. I don't rate him highly as a head coach, if I'm honest. Um, and I, as I say, he does seem to do a lot of like, oh, don't look at me, look over there. Um Bruce Arians is obviously going to... There you go. Matt Rule has a habit of blaming everyone. Thanks, Zach. <laughs> um, you know what? There's a difference between throwing players under a bus and holding players accountable. I think if players are being held accountable and they have a problem with that, then by all means, go and speak to the coach. But if there's a reason that you're being held accountable, then you know what? Tow your ass back to the line. It's For me, it's that simple anyway. So we've gotten through all the um, fan comments. Uh, James, you want to go ahead and give a plug on your website, your podcast, so we got fans can follow Yeah, you? so, you know, guys, if you're looking for some really interesting uh, takes from the, the Buccaneers side of things, covering everything Tampa Bay Buccaneers, you want to come out and you want to lurk and check out uh, Arrival, maybe you want to troll us a little bit in a friendly rivalry <laughs> way. That's, let's be sensible. Come on, we're all grown-ups here. Then, you know, come and check us out over on Books Life. We're on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. Uh, we're producing new articles. We're doing shows. 
all week, every week. Um, you know, it's a good place to hang out and find out some great information about the Tampa Bay Buccaneers and your division rivals who were going to be playing twice in the last uh, three weeks of the season. Yeah, definitely. Hey, um, who's your yeah, uh, guys' sandwich game? Right. Uh, you guys, week after, Cause, right? Because <laughs> we've yeah. got, obviously, we've got you and then sandwiched in there is the Jets and then we've got you again yeah. to finish the season. Who's your sandwich? Oh, we got the uh, road against the New Orleans. Oh, you've got three division games in a row. I didn't right. even clock that. <laughs> yeah, but road too. So this is our last home game uh, this week. So oh, finish right. it at New Orleans, at Tampa Bay. So, I mean, even if we were trying to compete for a playoff spot, this would have been a brutal finish. Yeah. yeah. You know what, then? I'm, I'm going to give you guys the edge. You know what? You're playing last game of the season at home. We're not playing great offensively. I'm going to say that this is going to be a low-scoring number. It's going to be a yeah. dogfight, and it's going to be a game that nobody's going to want to watch apart from the fans. And even then, we're probably not going to enjoy it. But, Bill, it's been an absolute pleasure. <laughs> yeah, I know Charlotte hey. media, they've speculated if this is Cam Newton's last home game as a Panther, that might light a fire under them, and we may see a level of energy we haven't seen. So stay tuned with that as well. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. And you know what? I think we can all agree with something like, even though we are rival fans, and that is F the Saints. Right, definitely. <laughs> oh, all day. That, that goes without saying. All day. Yeah, we beat them already, yeah. and they got every excuse in the world. So I guess we can do it the real way. We'll beat them in full strength then, uh, next week. <laughs> do it. Do yeah, us a favor, and, uh, please. Yeah, yeah, and James, I'll actually, uh, I'll actually be going to Tampa for the last game. Um, January 9th, Ashley Beater actually made those plans um, a while back. So um, I definitely look forward. Uh, like you, I got some other uh, real good, nice friends that are diehard Bucks fans. I look forward to uh, getting up with. Uh, been invited to some some pregame activities with uh, uh, with a lot of your, uh, a lot of the fan base. So I'm just looking forward to enjoying some 75, 80 degree weather in January for couple of days, fly in Saturday morning, fly out Monday morning. So, uh, you know, Cut the game is just – <laughs> yeah, yeah, the game is just, a, you know, just a reason to, you know, enjoy some sunshine, man. So I look, I look forward to it. Yeah, you, you have a good time. Stay safe. And, guys, it's – and, Carl, I absolutely agree with you about the Falcons. You guys, <laughs> it's, it's always a pleasure. Um, can't wait to do this again with you guys in the future. Okay. Well, great, man. Thank you for having us. Always insightful. Give us the news on the Bucks. Uh, good luck this weekend. And, you know, hopefully maybe talk another time before our uh, rematch in a couple weeks. <laughs> Always right. a pleasure, guys. All right. Thank you, everybody, in the comments for joining us. Uh, catch us after the game. Uh, appreciate it.